Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, I want to share a couple of messages this month as we go forward uh, that I believe are so pertinent to where we are and, and maneuvering, walking through your life as a believer at this moment in time. You know, we're not living in the history. How many can say amen to that? We're not living in the past. You can't go back and relive the past. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, some of you would really still like to wear those bell-bottom jeans to church. Tell the truth. Don't do it. Let the young people do it. You, you, how many ever wore some back in the day? Come on, tell the truth. How many old enough? You remember? How many ever, you know, you did a little staying alive? Come on, tell the truth. Come on, you did a little disco BGs. Come on, don't look at me like that. Well, can I, can I tell you something? I just want to help you out. It doesn't look good on you now, okay? It's, it, it's all right. Let the kids do it. It just, it, it just let it go. But you know what happens in church? I think sometimes, listen to me closely. I want to help you. I think sometimes we confuse nostalgia with revival. Think about it for a minute. We need to stop trying to go back to where we were in our spiritual journey and we need to live this thing right now. How many hear what I'm saying? Come on, you got quiet in the house, didn't you? You know, you can have revival without singing the same song they sang the night you got saved. Everybody still with me now? You can have a revival and not have to wear the same clothes you wore back then or be in the same building that you're in or sit on the pew that grandma bought for the church back then. Come on, how many are with me? Revival and nostalgia are not the same thing. Revival is saying, God, I want you to do something fresh in my life. How many are ready for that? How many are up for that? God, I'm serious about this thing. I almost wanted to entitle this message today, Get Real. Come on, somebody say, Get Real. You know, I think it's time for the church to get real. I think we need to stop trying to live in the past. We're not going to jump out in the future. We need to determine, I'm going to live for God right here, right now. I'm going to give him my best right now. How many are with me on this? God, I I want to get real today. Whatever my age is, whatever my experience is, I I believe it's time for you and I to stop trying to, uh, you know, live off someone else's faith or live in the past or try to wait for this special moment. Let's live it right here, right now. Let's take this moment and and make something happen uh, for God's glory. We're we're living in some, some unique times. As men and women of faith, as those that love Jesus and follow Him, as disciples, we're, we are living in some, some unique cultural shifts that none of us have ever faced before. But I don't have to long to go back when I liked it better. I'm salt and light here right now. Can somebody say amen? You're supposed to be living right now. There's a reason you're alive right now. And we need to understand what's God's purpose for me. Why are we here? What is the church to be doing in this day and hour? We're not to be hiding out. Can someone say amen to that? We're not to be digging bunkers and hiding. We're to be light and salt in the city on the hill. We're to be sharing hope and grace as we're living in this world right now. So I, I want to do some things here. I want, to, I want to tell you right up front. I want to shake up your mindset for these next few weeks. How many are listening to me? I want to rock your boat. I want to make some waves. I want to pull you out of the comfort zone. Anybody with me today? Now, are you still ready to say, get real? Okay. We need to get out of the rut. I really want to speak to someone who says, you know, pastor, I don't want to make any more excuses. I want to become exceptional. I want to say that again. I want to stop making excuses and I want my life to become exceptional. I don't want good to be the thief of great in my life. How many are listening to me? Would you hear that? I don't want good to become the thief of great in my life. I don't want to live by excuses. I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be exceptional. I I don't want to live with a victim mentality. Come on, how many hear what I said? I want to be victorious. So if that's where you are, am I in the right house? Is that where you are? You're ready to go with that? Well, let's look at a couple of a verse here. I want to show you two different uh, translations that seem to say something totally different. But there's something very important we need to pull out of this as we go forward, okay? So let's look at Isaiah 59, 19. Isaiah 59, 19. I want to look at it first out of the New King James Version. I want you to look at this. Then we'll look out of the NIV. So, so watch this. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west. 
Okay, now watch this. And his glory rising from the sun. In other words, God's going to come from the west and the east. He's going to make himself real. Now watch this. We, we quote this verse a lot. You're more familiar with this translation. When the enemy does what? Comes in like a flood. What happens? The spirit of the Lord will raise a standard up against him. I want you to, to hang on to that word standard today, okay? I want you to hang on to that word. So, so look, let's look at this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the enemy would be the flood. What does God do? The spirit of the Lord responds by lifting a standard up against him. Now, look at this translation, though, in the NIV. It, it seems to be like another verse. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord and from the rising of the sun. But then watch this. They will revere his glory. For he, now he's speaking about God, not the enemy. Uh, this verse is very difficult to translate out of Hebrew. The words are very old and archaic. And, and the best Bible translators around struggle with the, the verb tense and the setting and the sentence structure. So this translation, watch this, shifts the entire uh, meaning or the entire subject from the enemy will come in like a flood. This one says, for he's speaking of God will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. So what do we see in these two? Or, or, or did, did somebody miss it? One of these wrong? So, so what's happening here? I, I want you to get this because there, there's something critical to what I want to say. What is clear? I, I want you to go back to the King, the in, in, uh, New King James, NKJV. I'll get it out. Go back to that. Flip back to the first one. So watch this. Here's, here's, I think, how we look at this. Watch this. When the enemy comes, you know, Pastor Josh said something about that. Has anybody ever had the enemy come at you? Tell the truth. If you belong to the Lord, the enemy is going to come at you sometime because you're a threat. Okay? So the enemy does come. We're not going to be the church that says if you go to Calvary, have the Tony Willis study Bible, and have an autographed picture of somebody around here, the devil will never come to your house. How many know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie to you like that. I'm not going to play that game. So the enemy will come. But we're also not the church that talks about the devil all the time. That gives him all the PR. That has a martyr complex. That's, oh, woe, it's me. That's just trying to hold on to Jesus, come back. We're not either one of those things. We're realists and believe in a great God. So here's what happens. Look at this shift just with punctuation. When the enemy comes, what if we move the comma over here to after comes? When the enemy comes, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. Did you get that? So in other words, when the enemy comes, he's not the flood. God's the flood. When the enemy comes like a flood, God raises a standard up against him. I believe that's what they're trying to do here. So I want to say to you today that God is for you, with you, standing with you. You know, the thing you saw coming... That the devil tried to tell you was going to whip you in 2023 is actually an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is coming your way. And when the enemy does meet you on your journey like a roaring tsunami flood, my God, your God, our God is going to meet him at your front door like a flood and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to show up at your place. So what are we seeing? What is clear? It's clear to us from this verse. All right, and I want you to see the word God uses here when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will do what? Lift up a standard. What God does in that moment, when the enemy tries to flood you, your family, the church, God lifts up a standard. The Holy Spirit, see that? The Holy Spirit, driven by the Holy Spirit, God raises something up. God raises a standard. So what we're declaring today is that, yes, the enemy may come after your family. The enemy may try to break your marriage and steal your children. But we have a God who's going to come like a flood against him. He's going to raise a standard at that moment. Standards, what I want you to see today. We said, Lord, we want to get real. 
We just said introducing this time together today. Lord, we're, we're ready. We're saying enough is enough. We're not just gliding, easing, drifting. We're saying, I don't want to live by an excuse. I want to be exceptional. I don't want to just be a good follower of Jesus. Lord, I want to dare to be a great follower of Jesus. I don't want to live in the rut. I don't want to live another year where I've been with you. I want to go on in my faith with you. Anybody want to grow in your faith this year? Encounter God in a deeper way? Well, God says... On our journey, be encouraged. God's going to raise a standard when the enemy comes against him. Why is that so important? Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. i got to lay some foundation with us. I must do that as, as I move you into this uh, study. So 2 Timothy, my Bible mark, mark is getting away. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Again, you have to look at this whole picture. Let me paint it for you. Why is it important we understand that God's for us? That God rages against our enemy, raises up a standard, a flood against Satan. I want you to understand when the devil comes at you, he's about to be overwhelmed. The enemy's plan's about to be flooded. The enemy's plan's about to overflow. You know, I was uh, speaking with a friend this week, another pastor. He he didn't know what I was going to preach, and 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 I should have I should have brought the picture but he said pastor i want to show you something he sent the picture to me we were just talking about the move of god and believing god and believing god for great things and talking about how the enemy does try to come he said let me show you a picture remember like a flood like a flood our god's a mighty flood amen he'll raise the standard he said let me show you a picture of these islands right before the tsunami wave came what we've begun to identify and weren't very familiar with until recently is that before that tsunami wave comes, what happens to the water at the beach? It recedes back. And here are these islands with the boats sitting on dry ground, with, with everything looking like they were in a desert in the middle of the ocean. But what was happening, the waters were receding to mount up together and come back greater than they ever had been before. And right now at your house, in your life, on your journey. It may look like everything has receded on you. Come on. Your means of income, your boats, your fishing, your lifestyle, what you know. It looks like things have dried up. Can I make an announcement to you today? You better get ready. Because where the devil tried to steal, kill, and destroy, and rob you, and lessen you, and hinder you, and paint a, a, a fearful future, a wave of God's glory is about to come your way. It's just mounting up right now. Don't give in to the dry ground, the waves coming. Don't be discouraged by what looks like because more is on the way. Anybody with me in this moment right now? Now we have to understand this is where we live. This is what we're dealing with. But we're coming at this thing with the knowledge God's for us. So, so why it's important to have the mindset I'm sharing with you today to begin this year. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.1. We have to realize that there are some issues in our culture. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. So we're, we're living in some culture, some mindsets, some inclinations and demonstrations of behavior that the Bible says are not good. They're terrible. But God's with us in this thing, okay? So let's look at this. What are they? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How did he know what social media would look like at that point in time? Somebody tell me, who knew? And you know, the devil's so insane, he broadcasts it now. He celebrates it now. He promotes it now. And what we have to understand is those things are reality. Is that true or not? Is it true? They are reality. The question is, how are we going to love Jesus in the midst of this? Now here are, are, are two statements that, that are critical to what we just read. You cannot stop there. This next statement is the shocking one to me. 
Because all of those things that we read, we usually say, well, those are those bad folks out there. Those aren't the people of God. Those aren't going to church with me. Are you with me? They're not in a church today. But then verse 5 says, concluding that sentence. Are you with me? Having a form, a form of godliness. Did you see any godliness in that list? I missed it. I missed the godliness part. So he literally says, that behavior will try to creep into the church. That lifestyle will try to find an endorsement in the lives and the pulpits of where people come to worship God. They will have a form of godliness. They don't have the real thing. They have a form. The form means they will have a facade of godliness. They will talk about God. They will, they will pray when things get bad enough and they've exhausted everything else. They'll, they'll run to the house of God when they've done everything else they could do and exhausted everything in their power. They have a form of godliness. They will literally try to cover those things we read under the facade of saying, I love God. They will try to pack that on the inside of an outside uh, demeanor that are, that are oxymorons. They don't belong in the same sentences. So we have to understand that. So that's why you need to stay with me today. And you need to understand what is the standard God will raise up against that. What is the standard God will raise up against that? Let's keep reading. He says, these, these, this behavior that the Bible calls terrible, he doesn't endorse it and say we need to understand it. We need to allow it. We need to condone it. We need to embrace it. We need to legalize it. We, we, we need to say, who am I? We need to say, you do your thing, I do my thing. No, he said, this is wrong. Okay. Having a form of godliness, but here's the key. How do you discern? What's of God and what's not? How do you know the genuine followers of the Lord in this day and time we're living in? Not because we're angry and judgmental. Not because we're a bunch of uh, legalists, Pharisees, Sadducees. Are you with me? Finger pointers, holier than thou. That's not what, that's not going to be the distinguishing mark. What he says, the, 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 this, this lifestyle that wants to invade and envelop the church will be recognized because they have a form of God. Are you watching this? But they deny its power. So the distinguishing mark, that which will identify the lover of God, the follower of Jesus in our day and time, is that we live in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That there is a tangible evidence that we are not just natural people, but there is a supernatural God living in our life. There is a God who is able. There is a God who is mighty. There is a God working in my life, say my personal life. In my personal life. That when the enemy comes in and tries to invade my lifestyle with these things, God will raise a holy standard up inside me. Come on, someone say, inside me. Not just at my church on Sunday. Are you with me? But on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And when you didn't have a date and it's Saturday night, you're still not going to go juke and jive at the club because there is a standard raised up inside of you. And if you you haven't had a date in three years you're still not going to settle for loser Larry and sweet Sally and, and, and that mess you're going to say I serve a living God who is able and mighty I'm not going to deny the power of God for a temporary moment in my life does anybody still care about serving him like this I'm not going to live by an excuse I'm going to be exceptional I'm going to allow God in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit to raise up a standard. It's the power of God. He said when the enemy comes in, the enemy wants to come for you. God wants to raise a standard up. There has to be something the Holy Spirit does. There has to be a place, listen to me church, where we say, no, I'm not going there. Where we say, no, that's not in my life. Where we say, I'd rather live without you than miss my God in my life. There's a moment 
where a married couple has to look at themselves and say, are we going to trust God in this moment or not? Are we going to believe God in this moment or not? There's a place where a businessman has to determine the lie I have to tell to sell that thing is not worth my honor that I forfeit before my God because my God's going to raise a standard up because he's my provider. I don't have to lie. I don't have to compromise. I don't have to miss who my God is. I'm willing for him to raise a standard up in my life. Anybody still with me today? God will honor that in your life. So what does this look like? So, so we see what the enemy wants to do. So, so what does God do? How does God approach us? What do we see him saying uh, in, in this moment? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Look at that with me. What was God's response when he birthed the church? What did God say would be necessary? What was the word for his people facing that kind of culture? He says to us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, but you'll receive what? What did he say? These folks that try to live this lifestyle without a standard. He says, they deny the what? Power. Okay. I have to come to a place in my life where I begin to realize, listen, listen. This is not just one of those, you better act right, straighten up, you know, slap your wrist, be a good boy, be a good girl thing. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living your life at the highest level. I'm talking about saying, you know, I'm not going to let the devil rob me of God's best while I keep falling for these counterfeits. How many are hearing what I'm saying? I'm trying to get us to see that we can live exceptional lives in this day and time. That you can be fulfilled as you serve God in this day and time. That you can have the greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest fulfillment. It is not by dropping. It's not by compromising. It's not by acquiescing to the to the the uh, world its features its 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 attack against your spirit it's by saying god raise a standard up in me god give me grace and anointing to live this thing anybody with me on this thing today so what does god do he says we, he said be careful because they deny the power of god so what's the holy antidote for that acts 1 8 but you'll receive what here it is again you'll receive power when when the holy spirit comes on you now watch this when the holy spirit comes on you the power of god comes and then he didn't say and you take 13 classes although we have training and discipleship is important but he says what happened and you what spirit comes on you and you will be my witness when the power of god's operating in your life you're going to become like jesus you're going to begin to be a witness people are going to be around you when they're around you they think about jesus When you respond to people the way the Holy Spirit enables you to respond, they're going to think about Jesus. When you pray for them the way God would have you pray for them, they're going to think about Jesus. In other words, we begin by the power of the Holy Spirit to act like Jesus would act, to represent him, to be his witness, to represent him to this culture and this world that we're living in. Let me give you some good news. It's never been, I, I really, on one hand it may be harder, but on the other hand it may be easier. Listen to what I'm saying. It's never been easier to be a witness of Jesus than it is right now. You say, well, what do you mean? Uh, it's such an ungodly culture. Because the, the, the opposite is so clear. <laughs> on one hand, you might think it's hard, but stay with me. On the other hand, it's never been more easy. When you begin to live the fruit of the Spirit, when you're kind and you're gentle and you're forgiving and you're patient and you're faithful and you're strong and you're generous, you see what I'm saying? That's, where does that happen today? When you begin to care and pray and serve and, and have the heart of God, on one hand you say, oh, is it hard to be a believer? Well, if you want to look at it from that side, but when we look at it from the other side, God says his power's in your life. God says he's raising a standard up. God says that he's doing something that allows you to be such a light in the dark place. Are you with me? Such a transformation. So I would say to you today that just living for Jesus... You're witnessing for him probably to a degree that's never been done before. So I want to encourage you. And I want to make a statement. I want you to hear me. God says, when the enemy comes in, what do we understand? Like a flood, God raises a standard against him. Like a flood, God raises a standard against him. Here's what I want you to hear me say. You're the standard. You're the standard. You're the standard. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're the standard. What's the standard? You're the standard. 
In other words, we're the standard. What happens when the enemy comes in? Come on, you got to get this with me today. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God begins to raise up a standard. Raise up a standard. At the place you work, are you with me? When the enemy comes in like a flood, he's looking for someone that he can lay his hand on to raise you up and make you a standard in that place. In your home where everybody's going crazy and the enemy's coming in, listen to me, the flood is looking for someone right now. Are you with me? The flood is looking for someone. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is looking for someone. He's looking for someone to say, okay, it's me. Okay, it's me. God, it's me. I say yes. God, use me. I want you to get this in your heart. You're the standard. You're the standard. You're the standard. Not because you earned it. Not because you're so great and glorious. But because the power of God is operating in your life. Let's not shy away from the moment. Anybody with me? Let's not back up for the moment. Let's be that one. It's always happened with one person. Have you ever thought about that? It's always one. The whole army standing there. And Goliath is intimidating them. And God's looking, 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 looking. And here comes the little shepherd boy. With a slingshot. Come on. And he says, I'll do it. God says, let's go. And he raised up a standard with one person and defeated an entire army. Anybody with me today? See, I think that we've... Can can I tell you something? COVID, we we, we lived through COVID. Can you let go of it? Can you just let go of it right now? You know, I'm not going to, you know, I, I mean, I, I believe in health. I wash my hands. I, you understand what I'm saying? It, it's okay. It, it, it's okay. I, I think, I think that, that, but, but the mindset is, this is, I'm not talking about masks and vaccination. I'm talking about mindsets. You know what? The devil tried to shut the church down. The devil tried to shut our mouth. What I'm talking about is my mindset and my faith. I'm saying to you today, he took his shot and here we are. He said we couldn't meet and here we are. He tried to tell you, you can't ever go back to church again. Listen, if you're concerned about contracting something, I want to salute the people that come to church with a mask on. You can't. You can wear a hazmat suit in here. Just come. You can have an oxygen tank and, and wear your flippers and like you're going to scuba dive. Just come. The thing is, he says, don't go. We went. He says, don't meet. We meet. He said, you can't be the same. Yes, we are. And listen to me. So what if the gas is five bucks a gallon and eggs cost 20 bucks a dozen? I don't like it. You don't like it. But can I tell you something? I'm not going to stand around all day and say, do you know how much eggs are? Do you know how much gas is? Do you know how much it costs me to do this? I'm going to say, do you know how big my God is? Do you know that he is coming? Do you know there's a flood coming? Do you know he's going to show himself strong? Do you know we're going to win? We're going to go. We're going to make it happen. You know, the Bible says in the end time, uh, when the devil's doing his thing, it could take a, a, a bag of gold to buy a piece of bread. Well, we're going to own the bakery. Ah! You got to get this. We're not going to make an excuse. We're going to be exceptional. God will raise a standard up. Here's Esther, an orphan Jewish slave girl. And the king got mad at mama, kicked her out, got to find a queen. So they start looking. (laughs) There she is. There she is. Esther's promoted. She's selected. Be the queen. And everything's going well. Come on, ladies, tell the truth. Have you ever read what they did for Esther? Bible says she found favor. You've been looking for that favor. Come on, tell the truth, ladies. I mean, she had a spa treatment every day for three years. She's like, I mean, her skin was so soft, the babies wanted to touch her. You understand what I'm saying? She smelled so good that Pierre Cardin was trying to bottle it. It's, it's you know, she, she had it going on. She had more shoes than you can buy. At the, yeah, it was all good. And then one day, her cousin who raised her said, so, Miss Pretty, Queenie girl, need to tell you something. Do you think God put you in there just because you're that pretty? Do you not realize that he brought you into the position you're in just for this moment? And do you not know that if you don't do what God put you in that throne room to do, God will find somebody else? She says, I'll get back to you. And she says, 
Cuz. I'm ready. Cuz. No excuses. No pass me by. I'm going to pray and fast for three days. You pray and fast with me for three days. Then I'm going to walk in before the king. Now, you're not supposed to do that without an invitation because you can be killed on sight. But she said, God, are you everybody listening to me? I'll be the one. She saved the entire Jewish race. One. I'll be the standard. I'll do it, God. David says, I'll kill that giant. He wasn't qualified from earthly uh, abilities. He just said, I'm willing. You know what God's looking for right now in this generation where 2 Timothy 3 is happening everywhere? Not a bunch of sad, scared, frightened Christians who said, I just don't know what's going to happen. And, 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 and I have the concerns you do. I look at this culture and I look at my little grandchildren and I think, my God. But this is what I know. I know that my God, your God, our God, when the devil tries to get my kids, I have promises. I'm going, they're going to serve my God to a thousand generations because I've given my heart and my life to them. I dedicated them in the womb. I said, you can't have them. And this is what I know. I am concerned about my children and your children and my grandchildren and your grandchildren. I'm very concerned about them. But I know what I know. I know that when the enemy comes, Like a flood, my God, is going to raise a standard up against them. I know that when the enemy comes, I'm not only that. You listen to me. This is my faith. Not only is God going to raise a standard. Listen to what I'm about to say. My kids are going to be the standard. They're going to be the one that rise up. They're going to preach in that college and live for God in that moment. And I'm telling you right now, mom and dad, you need to be the standard at your house. I'm telling you, grandma and grandpa, you need to be the standard in your house. God is looking for that thing. Let's, uh, you know, uh, I got to go forward. Let's go. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Acts 2, 14. God's looking for, to make a standard. I want you to say, I'm the standard. I'm the standard. God says he will raise up a standard. What we have to understand, we're the standard. We're the standard. He will raise up. He will anoint like a flood. I believe what God is wanting to do at Calvary, and I believe everywhere, is raise up a new standard of believers around here. Come on, how many of you say, Pastor, I get it. A new standard. Not a bunch of people that are just cruising. A new standard. God, I want to be a standard. God, I don't have it, but you have it. Raise us up. Make us a standard. Let's be the exception. Let's be the one. Here we are in Acts 2. You remember, Peter didn't do so well. After Jesus was crucified. You know the night he was arrested. You know that. He says at the last supper. If all these other bums forsake you. I'll be there. You know I'm, I'm the man. You can count on me. Then he denies him three times. The next time we read about this joker. He's leading seven of the apostles. Away from their call back to fishing again. He wasn't having a good day. Peter wasn't doing well. He wasn't doing well, but he was in that group on the day of Pentecost in that upper room that we read. What's the anecdote? What's the distinguishing mark that will cause us to be the standard? The power of God, the power of God. Listen, you may feel weak. It's not your strength. It's the power of God. You might say, I've never been able to do it. Well, it's not your ability. It's the power of God. Are you with me? It may be that you say, listen to me. I'm the only one. It's the power of God. God's looking for the one. God's looking for the one. He's looking for someone in, you know, you know what's some of the terminology? My friend group. He's looking for you to be the one in your friend group. He's looking for you to be the one in your workplace. He's looking for you to be the one in your home. He's looking for you to be the one in your recreation time. He's looking for, so pastor, you're asking me to do a hard thing. No, I'm giving you the opportunity to do a blessed thing. I'm telling you, this is what God is doing. Are you with me? This is what he's doing. He's raising up a standard. He's looking for the one. He's looking for the church. Calvary, I believe God wants Calvary to be a standard bearer. No better than anybody else. Not trying to say who's the best church. That's such foolishness. Thank God for every godly church in this region. For every godly 
godly pastor in this region. I pray over pastors and churches all the time. They're not our competition. They're our brothers. They're our family. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. But I'm responsible before God for this family and this house. And I know that God wants Calvary to be a standard where His Spirit and His Word unapologetically is going forth, going forth, going forth. We're saying we're a standard. See, Peter, here he is in Acts 2. He had blown it, blown it, blown it. Don't raise your hand or point. Have you ever blown it? Do you know somebody that's blown it? Have you ever, you know, you ever had your Christian life and wish it was like golf? You take a mulligan. Say, can I do that one again? Can I do a do-over? I wish I could go back. Every one of us. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't made that decision. I wish I would have thought about that for a minute. You know, some of you, 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 you need to think before you hit that sin. Just think before you do that. Just think. And, and in fact, you might start thinking better if you'd put this down more often. Thinking's a good thing. Reacting's not. Thinking's a good thing. Okay. So we go to 2.14. Peter had blown it, blown it, blown it. But he was there in Acts chapter 2. What happened to him? The power of God came on Peter. Something transformed in his life. Guys, you've got to understand, we have to rely on this day for the power of God to operate in our life. It's not how strong you are, what your pedigree is, what your resume looks like. What it is is how surrendered are you and I. To the power of God in our life. You know, Moses had this encounter with God. God said, you know, Moses was leading the people of Israel out, out of Egypt to the promised land. And, and they kept messing it up, messing up, messing up. And this is what God said. He said, I'm going to leave you. Because if I keep hanging around, I'm going to kill everybody around here. You read it. Exodus 32, Exodus 33. He said, if I hang out, you're dead. That's pretty bad. And God's very patient. He said, I can't stay with you, God. I'm going to have to wipe you out. Moses prayed this prayer, other things, but this is what he said, God, what will distinguish us? What will separate us? What will authenticate us as your people from all the other peoples on this earth if not for your presence and your spirit? That's where your life goes when a standard starts to happen. God, God, as a Gen Z, as a Gen X, as a millennial, As a boomer, whatever they called you before you got a name, you're too old to have a name. (laughs) You know, if you're not a boomer, you've been living so long they didn't know how to call what a name was back then. I mean, am I right? I don't don't think we have a name for over the boomer. You're just alive and well. Come on, tell the truth. But whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, what we have to come to a place if we're going to serve God in this culture, we just read in 2 Timothy 3, where people are living that lifestyle and calling it okay. People are living like that and want to cover it with God. People are living that lifestyle and trying to convince themselves and others, it's all right. If we're going to serve him in this time, we're going to have to have a Moses moment where we say, God, what will separate us? Again, what will authenticate us from all the peoples of this planet with all the titles and races and languages and ethnicities and religious jargon? What will be the acid test that were yours if not for the Spirit of God in our life? And then he said, God, you called me to lead these people out. And I led them out, but we're in the middle of this howling desert. And it's not comfortable here. And and we don't like it here. And I want to get in that promised land. But this is what he said. He said, I would rather stay here than take one step without you. He said, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. God, I'm going to stand here. I would rather have my God in a desert. I would rather have your spirit halfway there. I would rather not have all my plans come to pass than to have that without you. I'm not going to go if you don't go with me. I'm not going to move in if you don't go with me. I'm not going to go through 2023 if you don't go with me. And so, God, we have this promise that as we stand on the precipice of a new year that could become a transformational season in your life, you and I come to the place and we say, Oh, God, 
I know this was that way and that didn't work and this may not have worked and I didn't do so well there. But today, I want to be the one. Today, I want to be the exception. Today, I just volunteer. And if you can make a warrior out of David, here I am. If you can make a deliverer and a mighty woman of God out of Esther, then here I am. If you can take Moses and your word says about him in Hebrew, he chose. He said he would rather suffer with the people of God than live with the blessings in the palace of Pharaoh. Somewhere in our generation, someone has to say, God, I would rather have you than all this other stuff. I would rather be the standard than the common thing. God's spirit begins to fulfill your life. Give your peace and restore your joy. Peter in chapter 2 of Acts verse 14. See, God says he'll do what? He'll lift up a standard. He'll raise up a standard. What's going to happen? Acts chapter 2, they're in the, they're praying. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. They're worshiping. They're praying in unknown tongues. The power of God is moving. A crowd gathers. They're, they're captured by this move of God. And most of them are hungry and curious. They're saying, you know, what does this mean? What's going on? Can I, can I tell you, when the power of God operates in this culture today, it's not going to be common. It's going to be uncommon. Are you with me? It's not going to be common. It's uncommon. For real, a real God, not a historical God, not a someday God, or not a watered-down-in-my-image God today. But when God moves in, people will say, what is this? It's okay. Are you with me? We, we need to have people say, what's going on? What is God doing? What happened in their life? And most of them were seriously curious. But some just made fun of them, were critical and judgmental. I want to be honest with you. When you say, God, I'll be the one. When you say, God, I don't, I don't want to live by an excuse. I want to be exceptional. There'll be critical people in your life. Because you know what happens? Have you ever gone in a dirty place? Maybe you hadn't been in a place like this. But you walked into an old rundown building and turned the light on and the rats went running everywhere. Rats, rodents don't like the light. <laughs> when you begin to be the standard, the rats start running. The vermin leave. They're critical. They don't like the light. You know those people got mad at you because you turned the light on in their life. Because you walked in and there was living proof that God is who he says he is. That God can do what he said. You know why somebody would get free of drugs and addiction and someone in their own family would criticize them? Because you're living, breathing, walking proof. That there's nothing too hard for God. You're living, breathing, walking proof that if God can do it for you, he can do it for them. That it breaks down all the excuses where you say, well, I just have a genetic disorder. I was just born this way. There's nothing I can do about it. It's always going to be like this. When God delivers you, when God raises you up as the standard, when you volunteer to be the one, when you walk in like Peter, when you have blown it and failed and, and you denied it and you've been afraid and you've given up, and yet you encounter the power of God. I, I'm going to finally read verse 14. And you come back here. Then Peter stood up. Somebody say, stood up. What happened? God raised the standard. God found somebody. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. I mean, look at him. This boy is bad. Come on, he's bad. He's not afraid. He's not denying. He's not running. He's not hiding. He's not cussing out the little slave girl, servant girl. This man has encountered the power of God. And what did God do? He raised up a standard. He raised up a standard. Can we just give him a chance? Can we just present ourselves and say, God, here I am. So he's preaching. He said, listen to what I'm saying. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. See, come on. Come on. When's the, when's the last time you saw a Christian so happy you thought they might hit the bottle? When's the last time you've been in a gathering of believers that was so overflowing with joy that the uninformed said, I don't know what they're serving around there, but the next time they take communion, I'm showing up. No, he said, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. What did he do? Look at this. Come on, I'm going to close. He, he raises a standard. God found the one. See, God, I believe he's looking at this place today, looking for the one. He's looking for somebody here today who said, God, I'll be the standard. 
Not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, but because your power put me here, God. I want to be the standard. And so he says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. See, when God raises up a standard, you know what he does? He says, here's my word and here's my spirit. Here's my word. Here's my spirit. He says, what did Joel say? In the last days, someone say last days. Come on. Do you know when he said this was the last days? 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Somebody said, are we in the last days? Buddy, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. We've been in the last days for two millennia. I'd say we're in the last of the last days. I'd say we're in the days where the spirit of Antichrist is trying to invade your family, your home, the school, our government, education, media, entertainment, sports. Everywhere you go, the spirit of Antichrist is trying to invade it. But I got some good news for us. We're not afraid. We're not martyrs. We're not victims. We're not losing. There is a mighty God who, like a flood, is raising up a standard against where we are. And the good news is, he says, we're sin abound. Grace does much more abound. When I'm weak, his strength will be made perfect. And he said, listen, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to release my way like a flood. I'm going to come in these days. Come on, everybody. My sons say it, and daughters will prophesy. Let's say it out loud. Our sons... And daughters will prophesy. Say my, my son and my daughters will prophesy. My son and my daughters will prophesy. My son and my daughters will prophesy. The devil wants to bring fear and say, what's going to happen to your children? What's going to happen to your grandchildren in this culture? Well, if you'll be the standard today, if you'll be the one today, I'm going to tell you what will happen to your children and your grandchildren. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. My son and my daughters will prophesy. Anybody with me? Come on, look at this. Your young men will see vision and your old men will dream dreams. Listen, for some of you that are boomers and beyond, come on, listen to me. Your best days are on you right now. Joshua and Caleb were 80 years old when they walked into the promised land. And old Caleb said, I'm as strong today as I've ever been. Don't mess with this bad boy. I'll kill the giant. I've been waiting for this day. Abraham was a hundred when he had a son. Sarah was 90. We don't get older. We get better. I'm not going to promise the children thing, but we just get better. Come on, Sam, getting better, getting better. You know why you retired? You didn't retire to go sit in that lazy boy you retired to serve God full time Woo, come on come on the devil's going listen not the devil sorry I didn't mean to say that about your business your, your business is going to pay for you to work full time that was all the millennials that said amen now the older people said see you're retired you can serve God full time now and the millennials and the gen X and the gen Z listen to me You need those people. You need those people. You know who led the young generation in the promised land? 80-year-old Joshua and Caleb. You need the 80-year-old wisdom, maturity, anointing, and testimony. And the 80-year-old needs your legs and your arm and your heart and your energy and your faith and your vision. See, God just looking for somebody. He doesn't, it's not generational. It's not racial. It's not generational. It's not denominational. It's the standard God's raising up across generations, races, and denominations to say, in these last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out. I'm going to raise a standard. I'm going to bring a flood. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream, dream. In these days, I'm pouring my spirit out. Stand with me. Come on, worship team. Let's stand together today. I believe God's looking for the standard. He's looking for the one. I want to shake your mindset. I want you to listen to your pastor. This isn't time to go. It's time to listen. Listen to me. There's some people in the body of Christ. I need to say this before we pray. Listen to me closely. Your identity needs deliverance. (laughs) I want to say it again. Your identity needs deliverance. So, pastor, what does that mean? Well, just what I said. There's bondage in your identity. There are people living with bondage because of your mindset, because of your identity, because of how you see yourself, what you say about yourself. I'm a victim. You're not a victim. You may have been victimized, but you're not a victim anymore. You're not a victim. I'll teach you more next week. 
But what we're seeing here is what God is saying. I'm just looking for the one. I'm going to raise up standards. The flood. Do you see what that is in these last days? Do you know what the standard is? It's people. It's the church. It's you and me that the Holy Spirit is going to raise up. And so it's time for us to say, I volunteer to be the one, God. It doesn't matter where I've been, what I've done, what someone did to me, what happened, what didn't happen. I'm not going to tie myself to anything that's behind me. We walked through a door last week. I'm not going back. That wasn't a game. That wasn't a game. That wasn't just a nice way to uncertain. No, no, I, I was serious. Was it, anybody else serious? I was serious. I walked through the door at the end. I was serious. I was serious. I said, God, I don't want excuses. I want you to do what you want to do. Here we are. God, here we are. So God's right now. Let's start this thing here. And, and let's, let's just make it personal and say, God, in your heart, I can't do this for you. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, God, I'm the one. I want to be the one in my circle, in my place. God, I'll be the David. I'll be the Peter. I'll be the Esther. I'll be the Moses. I'll be the one that says, I'd rather have you. I'd rather have you than all this other stuff. God, use my life. I don't want to be an excuse maker. I want to be exceptional. I don't want to be the victim. I want to be victorious. Anybody with me in this thing? God's calling us. God's calling us. He's, he's raising the standard up. You've got to begin to understand what he wants to do with you. How critical you are. Instead of saying, why am I living in this God ungodly home? You know why? Because he knows you have what it takes to become the standard in that home. If you'll let his power come in your life. Why, why am I the only Christian in my, where I work? Because God has you there to raise the standard and let his glory come in that place. Are you with me? Why are we meeting here every week? Just to keep our ticket punched? So if we pass away between next Sunday, we get to go to heaven? Have a place to have our funeral? Huh? Is that what this is? Just part of my culture. I go on Sunday so I don't feel guilty. We miss the whole thing. We're a movement. Are you listening to me? We're a movement. We're, we're, we're a group of men and women here today saying, God, you put us together. We want this church to be a standard. We want to hold up your word and hold up your spirit and hold up hope and be a living proof that you're big enough and great enough. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Anybody understand what the Holy Spirit's saying in your life today? That's why we're here. What you're doing makes a difference. You being here today is important. You living for God is important. You serving Him is important. You're part of the standard. You're the standard. You're the standard. We're the standard that God's lifting up in this thing. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.